0: Welcome to the Sawyer Highlands and Converge Community Church Sermon Podcast. Each week we will upload the sermon that was preached during the Sunday morning service at our new Buffalo campus in hopes that it will serve you well during the week. So sit back, relax, and may you be encouraged by the great hope you have in Jesus Christ as you listen to the preaching of God's Word. Thank you, Butch. Thank you, team. I invite you to turn your Bibles to Proverbs. We're going to be moving around. Am I on good? Nan, can you hear me okay back there? Yep. Nan, can you hear me? Now you can hear. Yep. I was talking to you. You didn't think I was talking to you right now. I do that sometimes. No? Okay. Mike, you hear me okay? All right. Good. Justin, this corner, we're good? All right. So uh, Proverbs, we're going to jump around a little bit. Um, Let me give some introduction. I'm going to... uh, Say a couple, let me just, let me back up this way. If I look sweaty, I am, because I just finished preaching outdoors at Sawyer. Um, I'm very thankful for air conditioning. Um, So that service is at 10. Uh, It's outdoors for the summer. It is not recorded uh, in terms of that. So all the live streaming that we're doing, all the recording is going to be on this campus. So if you go on the website, oh, great question. How many people have been on the website in the last two weeks? Raise your hand. Oh, okay, it's um, not enough. So how many have been on it a long time ago? Raise your hand. It looks different. Okay, so uh, Ethan Hayward's been helping us with that. Ethan's getting married same day as Mike and Jessica are getting married. Um, in a couple of weeks. So Ethan's helped us with some website stuff. We're trying to clean some stuff get better. Look at it. Give feedback to us, okay, because we, we need feedback on it. All right. So last week Joe was here. Uh, Mike was in Sawyer and Mike said something here two weeks ago that I found really helpful as he was finishing up chapter nine and just talked about how this is laid out in Proverbs that the first nine chapters kind of work together as one set it's a we think it was a father talking to his sons King Solomon preparing for who might reign also but in terms of Hebrew literature thinking of this passing on to, to the next generation this wisdom and and what's put out there is this, the wise way and the way of folly, personified by these women as, as, as sons are listening to this. And, and what Mike said then at the end is, so we've just finished this section of these two things. Now the next weeks, when we go from chapters 10 through 31, and you read it, they're often in these little couplets, these little pairs, these little proverbs. And so if you talk the topics, the subjects we're going to deal with, still fit within what's the wise way and what isn't the wise way. But, here's how we need to hear this. What this is not saying, what says the wise way, this is not moralism. What's moralism? Um, Do good, be good, and you are good in the end. That's not what this is. But a lot of people read the Proverbs like that. Oh, here's the wise way. All I need to do is do good, be good, then I will be good in the end. That's not Christianity. Uh, You might recall... Jesus' words when he was approached and someone said to him, uh, hey, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds by first saying this, why do you call me good? Remember this? Only, only God is good. Jesus identifies this to a person who appeared to be the compliant, obedient, you know, everybody measured this kid top of the class. He's just identifying what's true. Um, all of us, since our brother Adam, we have a propensity for ourselves, our self-rule, not God's rule. We're not good. We don't want to follow him. And so Christianity is very different than, I'm going to say, moralism. And, and, and you know Jesus' biggest critics were religious. So it's, very, it's true still in our culture that some people who are theistic and believe there's a God believe all I need to do is good, be good, be kind to this, and I'll be good in the end. You ask people what they, whatever they believe about the end of life. I oh, that was pretty good. That's okay. just not what the Bible says. The Bible's basically showing us we need a Savior. Amen? We do. No one's good but God. That's actually refreshing reality if we'd embrace it. So basically, when we read Scripture, particularly the Old Testament law, it shows us here's a standard. I can't get to that standard. So what that should do at that point is not I give up no, I turn to Jesus. There's only one who is holy, only one who is perfect, the very Son of God. This, okay, this, There's no religion in the world like this. If anybody talks about world religions like this, it is not true. They haven't read the Bible. Jesus comes as the Son of God and gives His life as a ransom for many. He's the only one who is sinless. He gives that to us. And those who turn to Him Turn away from myself, whether it's my good deeds or my past life, whatever. I'm turning completely to Jesus in faith, in repentance. You're the one I need. I surrender my life to you in faith and repentance. It's it's not, this is way different and way more than praying a prayer and asking Jesus into my heart for if you've ever taught that. You just don't find that language in Scripture. You've done it all, Jesus. You're the one I need. I, I believe you. And we surrender our life. That's faith and yielding to him. Then what happens? He sends his spirit within us. And he helps us do what we cannot do in being his. So I, that's a whole nother, another conversation. But I just want to, we're going the wise and unwise way. This is not be good, do good, you will be good. It's not, it's, not, it's moralism. And it's not what this is calling us to. It is calling us to Jesus' way, which we cannot ever do unless we're surrendered to him. Because in the very surrender, we receive his life which is more than forgiveness. It is forgiveness. But it's a new life in Him. And even the hard things. well Actually, that day by day, actually some of the lyrics has a little bit of that, that, in, that in there. So the title, Growing in Wisdom as God's Children in His Family, presumes all of that kind of an understanding and the sense that when I've surrendered to Him, that I belong to God. A primary. That's my identity. I'm first of all, you're a good, good father, we sang. I first belong to him. I, I live under his righteous rule, but his loving authority, I live under that. And I am also in belonging to him. Look around, look around, look around. You're part of a spiritual family. That, that's what happens here. So this is an imperfect one like all families, but these are brothers and sisters in Christ to help us grow together. So, what this series now on, this, on the family is going to do, it's going to, the verses we'll look at, it talks about uh, various roles in the family, how to fulfill those roles in following Jesus in it. Just, just think about what I just said. Think about what I just said and think about of our culture we live in right now. Because this is antithetical to our culture. There are various roles that God has given us and we're to live out those roles in following Jesus. Our culture right now is blowing up every role there is. We're like, it's, it's uh, if, if, if 30 years ago you'd talk about what's going on out you just laugh and say it's, it can't be, it is. So in doing so and following the Lord in these roles, we're going to go against the culture in some things. It's just expected to happen. But the question will come to all of us as we walk through these scriptures is, how do I follow Jesus in my respective role? How do I do that? So, still Introduction. But that's coming. So let me just say this. So for anybody here that says, hey, I don't really have family and not part of a family or where does that go, I just want to understand this. You are also part of a spiritual family. That's here. And in a church, we understand this very much as brother and sister. There are significant things that you can do. So let me say this. Anybody who belongs to God, we realize my life's not about me. It's about him, being loved by him and following him. And in doing so, I also love others. It's giving of oneself, like Jesus gave to me. So, in a spiritual family, we're doing that for one another. It's part of our worship of Him, it's a joyous thing for us in our relationships. So, you might be in a small group with somebody, it might be a meal after, this, after church. Or we, we're just that relational engaging with one another. Might be somebody you don't, you've never lived their experience, you don't have their experience, but you listen to them and you can pray. And you know what? God hears your prayers. He hears your prayers. Or there might be a way God nudges you to come alongside them in some other way. That's what the church needs to be. So I'm just saying that's, a, that's, a, that's also a context here that I'm not gonna address strongly, but if you're sitting here going like, man, I'm here all by myself. I'm widowed, I'm divorced. I don't have kids. My kids hate me. I don't have a family. I'm just saying there's a spiritual family too and that, that relates here. Okay, so that's all my, my on-ramp to come. In. That's a long on-ramp, right? Anybody say I always do long on-ramps? Yeah, okay, I say it. But I see it all connected, okay? So I'm going to do this. I'm going to read two scriptures that are going to operate as a theme. Um, there are many of them. I Actually, didn't see. Can I see a worship guide for Converge? I don't know how we put it in here. Okay, this is exactly what I told her, and I don't like it. Okay. So we did it different Sawyer. Cause, so at Sawyer, we're outside, so you can't project. So everything's got it. So in Sawyer, um, our worship guide's got a list of all the scriptures we're going to have today. Today, what's in your worship guide is the theme, so that's good. Somebody said, I'm going to talk fast. Oh, that's a surprise. Um, just, just for a change. Um, so if you miss stuff and you want some things, like if you're taking notes, just email the office and she'll send you the notes. So don't, don't sweat all that, okay? But, and Thad's on today. Is this number two, number three? You've been doing this, Thad? Two? Awesome. Thank you. So pray for him because following me is tough. Uh, so we'll try to get up there, but just you can, you can email Sonia. All right, here's, here's the two as a theme. Uh, chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he, what's the word? Loves. As a father, the son in whom he, what's the word? See that? The Lord's discipline comes from his love. If he didn't love you, he wouldn't discipline you. He actually delights in you. That that's foundational in understanding for us as people, and later on in family. Fourteen twenty six. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a what? Not a toy, not a big bank account. A refuge. Parents, the way in which you follow the Lord matters to your kids. Those are two foundational things. Let's pray. Father, help us today. Lord, help me to be clear. Help us all to hear you. Not my voice, but Lord, your word. Let it come with power, encouragement, conviction, and the transforming work of the Holy Spirit that we all need. Lord, we do want to follow you. There's some places where we do resist it. I pray that you would deal with all in a way that honors the Son. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I broke it down into four categories. I will not spend equal time in each. The first one is this, uh, growing in wisdom towards one another in marriage. There's a way I'm going to speak to both. This speaks both to wives and to husbands. Classic text is Proverbs 31. So look there in Proverbs 31. I want to assure you, um, when I was drawn to Cindy, um, I was not thinking Proverbs 31. Um, She's amazing. She's an amazing gift to me. Uh, we are very different. But I wasn't reading this going, ah, founder! Uh, anybody done that? You know, an excellent wife who can find. She's far more precious than jewels, verse 10 starts. I'm going to read a couple verses from here. Let me tell you, some of you know this is coming. When I read this, what you're actually going to hear, it's going to sound like an ancient Jewish superwoman. That's what it's supposed to sound like. You're going to be like, doesn't sound like me. That's okay, I don't think it's supposed to. Just telling you ahead of time. It's Proverbs, a little bit of hyperbole. But I've heard this read and some of them are like, that is not me. Don't worry about it. Let's just read it. All right. 15 and 16, she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. This excellent wife is up before the sun is up. She has provided all the food for all her family and the household servants as well. Sign her up. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She is a real estate tycoon. And she makes such a wise purchase that it is economically profitable already with a vineyard. Verse 20. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Generous, giving, not tight-fisted and clutching. She's not afraid of snow. For her household, for her, all her household are clothed in scarlet. She's made sure they are well clothed. They have their boots on when they can't find their boots. And their clothing is actually scarlet, the color of royalty, best dressed. Verse 25, strength and dignity are her clothing and she laughs at the time to come. No fear of the future. She laughs and it's supposed to sound like a little cartoon-esque, I think. It's a little bit of hyperbole. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. I'm not mocking this, friends. I'm really not. I'm reading a certain way. If it sounds like an ancient Jewish superhero woman, yeah, it's supposed to. It's like this ideal standard. Here's what, here's what I've seen many times. I've seen it read, heard, heard women talk about it, even studies on it. they go like, who can be that? I quit. I can't. Now, the key to understanding this is actually in the conclusion, which I'm not getting to yet. I will get there. Don't read ahead, Shirley. Don't read ahead. We're going to get there. Wait for the punchline. Okay? But you, just, you get to that point, you go, well, I can't do it. So let me just say this do you ever read scripture and you go like, man, I just fall short of that? Forget it. You're, I can't do it. So on the rules, don't do that. That's the evil one who says you can't do it. You can't be a good husband, can't be a good wife, can't be a good kid, you can't do it. No. We do have shortcomings, right? The gospel should free us that when I see my shortcomings, I'm turning to Jesus and just saying, Jesus, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to love them like you want me to love them and I need your help, right? That's what He's calling to us. Do you think Jesus is going like, this is it, women. You don't get it? Sorry, you're not following me. Or, have you ever heard Jesus say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke on you. you ever heard Jesus say that? That's his, that's, his, that's his real words. So that other voice, that is not his voice. And that's not how we're to read this particular proverb. But our shortcomings are to turn us to Jesus. Jesus is always calling us to something greater than ourselves, friends, and that's where we will find him. Do not give up, but turn to him because that's where we will find him. Simple obedience is greater than ourselves. So turn to him. All right, wives? We're still going. I want to encourage you with this. I'm going to start here. You are the ideal one, for your husband. You're the ideal. So, no matter what your story, whatever went on and all the details, no matter, the God of the universe brought you two together. Here's why I can say that. Because that's what Jesus said. He said, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And there's a whole discussion about marriage and divorce and whatever he said, Look, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So what I Get asked sometimes, Justin, remember this, I'm going to talk about this a long time ago. I get asked sometimes, hey, how do you know if this is the right person? And someone could ask me that, prior to marriage or after being married? Uh, My standard answer is this, here's here's how you know, here's when you know. When you're married, that's when you know this is the right one. Why? Because God joined you two together, okay? He did. So scripture, you, know, you might remember this in 1 Corinthians 7, it even addresses a situation where a believer is married to an unbeliever and you stay in it. You're trusting God for it, however that is, okay? So I'm just, our, our job in whatever situation we're in right now, whatever it is, it's to live out our role as best we can, following Jesus with all of our shortcomings, receiving his grace, okay? All of us, all of us here in this room have made mistakes. We've sinned probably in ways we're embarrassed by. The days past, we, we can't. What do we do about the days past? We turn to Jesus about the days past. In God's economy, he's able to redeem everything in life, even our sin, even our stupid-headedness. He's able to do that and make things good. So where you are now, just walk it out. Trust him for it. It's still bigger than you but I want to say to you, that's what he wants right now. And if you turn to him, he'll show his life to you. That's who he is. All right. So, started with, you are the ideal one for your husband. Hopefully, hopefully that's encouraging. Uh, Second thing, and this is more foundational. So, I'm going to say this specifically to women. It does apply to men. Um, So, our theme verse is 14, 26, one of them. says, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence And his children will have a, what's the word? A refuge. The second verse is here in chapter 31, speaking specifically to women. Verse 30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. He's to be praised. So So in both of these, speaking of a fear of the Lord. The second one specifically to women. So here it is. Women... Sisters, your greatest gift to your family is that you would fear the Lord in everything. That's your greatest gift to your family. Might be that no one will see it. Or maybe they will. But that's your greatest gift. If I go back to the theme in the fear of the Lord when a strong comes, and its children will have a refuge. Do your children need a refuge? Whether well, that's a toddler or a teenager, you bet they do. And the way you follow the Lord matters. One who truly fears the Lord, so that term fears the Lord. Here's another word you can use. In awe of God, lives underneath that understanding of all. Okay, Every single one of us, we are worshipers. God made us worshipers. Uh, we see a, a great basketball play. We go, that was awesome. Uh, we see a sunset, that's awesome awesome. We th- we're, we're made. We either worship the creator or something in the, in the creation. That's just how we are, whether you're theistic or not. We're made that way. So if you understand that fear of God, it's living with an awe of God, a sense of God in everything. It's the greatest gift to your family. And the one who truly fears the Lord, lives with that awe, believes God, trusts God, and prays like that. A wife who seeks the Lord for herself and her husband is a great gift to the family. She doesn't try to change her husband. She knows and believes God can. And she prays that way too. Sisters, do you believe that? It's, it's true. I'm saying that to sisters because Proverbs 31 addresses sisters. But men, I can say it the same thing to us because I would say the theme 1426 is not specific to men or women. The fear of the Lord has strong confidence that children have a refuge. So the husband who seeks the Lord for himself and his family is a great gift to his family and his marriage. He doesn't try to change his wife. He knows and believes God can, and he prays that way too. I just ask you this. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Let's believe it. Men, men, Proverbs 31 actually addresses us in a kind of an interesting way. If you see it there in verses 10 and 11, it says, An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, he will have no lack. So people read 31, think it's all about the wife. There's some interesting things about the husband. Here, he sees her, she's far more precious. That is, he values her, she is valued says he trusts in her. That it doesn't say that she is flawless, but she's got character. He trusts God in her. There's no lack of gain. She, she adds to his life. So that is, this, this husband say, I realize I'm a better man for having her. That's how he sees that. It ends with this, uh, 31, 28, and 29. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Oh, I just realized I didn't make something very clear. So there's 29. 30, I don't know if I I concluded this statement. 30 is the one where it says, charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That's the foundation of the whole chapter. So when you get this superhero woman, she does all these things, it's the fear of the Lord that's the foundation of it all. I think I didn't make that clear. I've got to close that loop. I just realized that's the end of the proverb. That's the deal. That's the greatest gift. You do that, everything else flows. Sorry for interrupting my thoughts, but I... said that, that, that closes that one. Okay. Uh, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Imagine if I had the husbands right now stand up and say that to their wives, which I won't do. So to think of that, to say that, can everyone's wife surpass them all? Of course not. So what's the point of this? So these verses are actually about the husband's heart towards his wife and his words that would follow. So husbands, brothers, listen to me in this. Our hearts towards our wives really matter and our words that follow. Really matter. It's not just the path of wisdom. This is Jesus' path. It's where we got to be. I won't read it all, but you you know this well from Ephesians five. We did Ephesians a couple years ago, but there's that section husbands to wives. That the whole book of Ephesians is driven from what Christ has done and how we're unified with Christ and and the unity, the oneness in the body. When it comes to marriage, it's just another expression of this oneness and speaks very specifically both to men and women, husbands and wives. And it speaks, husbands, to us of how we are to love our wives as Christ loves the church. Jesus, who gave himself up for her, that's how we are to love them. It speaks of washing her with the word. That is, there's a spiritual mindset in the husband. It actually washes our wife. And here's the phrase, it's an interesting phrase that the husband is to nourish and cherish his wife as Christ does the church because we're one body. And just as we're one with Christ, husbands and wives are one just because nourishes and cherishes as he does his own body because we're one. It's, think, just, so think of the words to nourish and and to cherish that about how my, my wife say that. Now that's a inter- I've actually, it's been a question when Cindy and I do a marriage retreat, uh, we usually, that's how we celebrate our anniversary. We read a book together and then we ask the hard questions. And uh, that would be one I remember asking. Hey, tell me where I do this or I don't do this. What nourishes and cherishes you? Um, you want to do that when you got a couple days together because the conversations can be, can be harder conversations. Be really good conversations. They can be growing conversations that you really learn from. That's the call. So men, have you cherished your wife like God's word calls you to? Does she feel that and nourished? So if not, what do we do? I give up, I can't do this. Nope. Where we see our shortcomings, the thing to do is to repent, say, Lord, I have not done this. There might be forgiveness to be asked, but I have not, I want to, and ask his help. He gives the help that we need. The fact that we find ourselves stuck or short, or can't do it, that's actually a good place, because he will not withhold from us. And he will give. He calls us to this very thing. Friends, this is the path of wisdom. It's gospel wisdom, in the understanding of one another and thanking God for one another. All right. um, I'm just looking to see if I skipped something. I did, can't find it on my notes. I'll just say this, uh, I'll bookmark it for another discussion. So if you've, ever been, if you've ever been around me in a men's setting, especially a smaller one, I want to talk about this pretty openly, but I'll just say it generically here, um, or, or short version. There was a time in my life when I was very dissatisfied with my wife, and I would not have called it that then. Um, and uh, the problem was, was me. Um, at that time, I could see all the things that she wasn't and all the ways that we collided. I mean, she is so messy. Our houses never pick up and we can't get to anywhere on time. Notice the exaggerative words. Notice the emotion behind such. Yeah, it was worse than that. And so I was just, I was just dissatisfied. I mean, it was. And uh, the Lord showed me I was just being self centered. And the Lord dealt with me. I was the problem. Now, if you were have talked to me at the time, I had a list of 20 reasons with, with backup and footnote of how I was right and she was wrong. But the Lord had to show me I was wrong. It wasn't because of the marriage book I read. It wasn't because of, like, good discussion with a friend. They all would have been helpful. It was the Holy Spirit showing me the problem with me. I had to repent of it. Now, I remember God changing some stuff. I remember God showing me, here was, here was the thing that was interesting, because I've used this phrase, the things that were driving me crazy about it were actually the things I loved before we had kids. They were just all the spontaneity. She doesn't, she has no concept of time. She is in the moment, all these things. I had to see those things as that's who she is. That's how she is. That's the gift that she is. And when I could see it that way and confess the self-centeredness in me, because that was the problem, you know what happened? My heart started to turn this way. God started to do it. And I'd tell her those things. And those were actually the places where we butt heads because I am the exact opposite of her in so many things. But it's a thing that I love about her. Why now? Is it different? She changed? It's right here. So when God dealt with my heart and confessing that, and to her actually, saying, I'm telling you things, there's a lot of things that change our relationship. And you can interview Cindy and ask her anytime about this. And she's talked about it. (laughs) I shouldn't tell this story. I remember one time we're going on a trip. Our worst time, our worst time is going on vacation, which, by the way, when uh, I finished this sermon, in about 1.30, we're heading off to Glacier. So, yep, we're going on vacation. Vacation is like our worst time because we're packing and we operate everything differently. Um, Actually, we were taking a walk this morning, which we could never do when we're packing for vacation. It's like, I I don't actually remember getting in an argument this time at all. Not one thing. We're just kinda of rejoicing in God. I'm just giving you hope that like there's still we're still growing and learning, you know. I'm I'm really slow to change. I don't remember the purpose of my story. Never mind. <laughs> Maybe it's just to say this. God keeps changing us. And I, I need the same things you do. Oh, but it's right here. Heart change has gotta be a work of God doing it. And it's probably gonna start with some confession on your part. But husbands, our words then follow our hearts. Oh, so the more I would say things about her that I appreciate genuinely, my heart travels even further. It's inclining your hearts to your wife. And let me just tell you, that's a, it's a great protection against other kinds of temptations that are out there. When you start being self-centered, you, get, you deserve things, you're in bigger trouble than you know. Enough said, you know that sermon. Okay. Whew. Children. We've got to go to children. That was only a marriage, my goodness. All right. Uh, growing in wisdom and raising children. I guess we go to parents first. Let me count kids here. Okay, we're getting to you guys in a little bit. Right, I'm going to go to parents first, then i will go to kids. Uh, growing in wisdom, raising children. So this has to do with training children, discipline, and discipleship. Uh, the verse we usually think of, 22.6, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. It's a good verse. I would go back to our theme one and say this is foundational. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a, what's the word? Refuge, here's what you've got to get fundamentally, parents. A parent's walk with God has a wonderful effect upon their children, but it's got to be a real walk, and it will become a refuge to them. You won't be perfect, but they need this refuge. You can't train them without that foundation. Training is not behavioral modification, getting them to obey you. It's not what it is. Train up a child in the way he should go. Which way is that? It's not about getting a job. It's not about being compliant. It's not about finding how to make enough money to be a responsible adult. It's not that. It might include some things, but that's not it. It's Jesus' way. It's to understand God, who he is, how we're made, what what that relationship is like, and how to follow him in every single thing in life. Anybody here busy? Raise your hand. Okay, the rest of you guys are just too tired to raise your hand because I know you're all, okay, everybody's busy, okay? So sometimes if your are family busy, let me say this. So most families I know are just like, did you say not you? Did you say not you? Did you get a baseball game today? Nope. Did you have one yesterday? One game or two? Okay, one, just one. Are your parents busy? Yes, okay. Miki's not busy. Miki, I love it. You're just enjoying life, right? Life as a kid is great, it's great, okay, but your parents are busy, okay. I'm, seriously, I, I see you just hanging. That's all you do is hang out and create messes for your, for your family and jump on the trampoline. Yeah, I, I see that, okay. So, most parent, most adults are busy. Kids just sit, so let me just say this. Those are the opportunities. Those are the golden moments. Don't miss them. And if all you feel is busy, okay, now maybe there's some things you need to take off your plate. I'm not saying that. But it's following the Lord in everything. How we play baseball. Why we play baseball? Why we come to church as a family. Why why youth group is important? How we do entertainment. How in the world we handle this thing. How how we deal with money? How we spend it? Why we give it? How we deal with that neighbor? How we deal with the angry text. Every part of it's under here. Those are all opportunities. That's the way. That's the opportunity we have. So parents, your life and character matters. If you walk with Jesus, they'll see it. You don't have to be the super model Christian. You won't be. But be real with them. When you fail, tell them. I've walked into my kids and apologized for things I did the wrong way. You're got, they're going to learn more by your humility in doing that. There's a great danger to put on a thing. Be, be the same at home as you are in public. Be the same. It'll, it'll go miles for your, for your kids. Let them see that you want to grow spiritually also. And you know what? i will be a refuge for your kids. You don't have to do it perfect and you won't. But show them where it is. They need that more than they can articulate to you. Friends, God gave you to them. He gave you to them. Discipline and discipleship of children. Hmm. I'm gonna skip a couple. Th- I'm gonna skip the quote. Chad, uh, Thad, it's not. It's not critical. I'm gonna keep the scripture. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. I was gonna give you Ray quote quote where he basically, you know, he says. It's hard to imagine that Scripture forbids spanking, but he just says you've got, you got to discipline your kids. For one kid, you look at him and just look at him wrong. And he's, you know, but the point is you've got to have consequence. You've got to teach and, and all that. Um, here's what I want us to see. Children need to learn discipline. It's not native to their being. And if you go back to that verse, there was a theme verse, Proverbs three eleven to 12, talking about the Lord to us. Listen, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves the one he loves and the Father, the Son, in whom he delights. It's got to come from love. It's not punitive. The undisciplined, to be undisciplined is to be unloved. And I'm going to tell you this story because I think it helps illustrate some of this. Um, Somebody say, we've got teenagers here too, so let me just say this, um, so... By God's grace, all my kids are no longer teens. So now I can talk about this authoritatively. No. Um, Every kid was different. We went through a lot of things. So I'm going to say this. Um, Kids, God gave your parents to you. They're the ones God chose for you. And vice versa. Parents, God gave those kids to you. Um, A parent... Has to do it the way they think is best before God. So in our household, I don't know if I'd say we—I don't like rules, but we had some. And I remember discussing it. It was always okay for my kids to discuss rules with me, but in the end, they had to obey. So we're going to get to that part with with the kids. But I want you to get the the love part. Discipline has to come with love, and if your kids don't know you love them, it won't train them. So however you do that, they got to know that. I remember one kid going through a time where I felt like, man, all I'm doing is correcting this kid. And I had to figure out some other way to connect with them, because it's no good for it to be just correction all the time. One of my kids, uh, later on in life, so we had certain rules. we didn't do things like everybody. There's certain things we chose not to do that other people did. And sometimes it was their friends. Sometimes it might have even be a friend in the church. Here's what it, it's going to be this, and we talk about it, just because I'm going to give accountability to God for how I raised my kids, what I did. And you don't compare yourself or your kids to someone else. That's not the point. But you, you're charged with that. So I'm, I'm trying to get this love, love and discipline part. So one of these other households, uh, uh, maybe some of their rules were a little more permissive. So years later, this scene did not take place in their teenage years. My kid didn't get to do some things. This one did, and this one got in trouble. Later on, they came back and said to my kid, I always knew your parents loved them." loved you saw the rules and said i wished i'd had more of that around now they they weren't talking about their parents whether they loved them or not they're talking about the sense of rules that were around and they saw our daughter with that around them and that happened now understand this if you get teenagers they ain't telling you that when they're kid when they're teenagers they're not going to say it they're going to say it later actually i heard heard my oldest uh, one time, man, she is so strong and all this stuff. And later, like, her uncle is asking her advice about, like, how to raise his, his uh, teenage daughter. She's, just, oh, my parents did exactly right. They did this. And I'm like, I'm, you never said that. I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting over here in the kitchen. She's talking. God, can you can you say that again? Okay. They won't tell you then. There's not gonna. But it's our responsibility. It's gotta come with love. It's gotta come with love or it doesn't train them. And that's a that's a seminar worth. But it's right there. However it is, your kid's got to know that, and that's where it is. All right, be quicker. <clears throat> if your kids don't, know you love them, It's not going to train them. Take the time with it. Every, every interruption, every inconvenience, every time they need discipline, it could be it, it's worth the time. Take the time. It Doesn't matter. You, when it's a toddler, you're preparing them to be a child. When it's a child, you're preparing them to be a teenager. When it's a teenager, you're pre- preparing them to be an adult, maybe one day married. If you leave it alone, this is an opportunity right then. Take the time to do it. See that. All right. Kids, look up here. All right. Now I'm coming to you. This is going to be way quicker than it should be. Okay. But I'm going to give you, so, I'm, ta- I'm calling an audible Aiden, you're going to have to help Thad with this because I didn't show him. Go to uh, Ephesians 6, 1 to 3. I don't think I gave it to him to project. I might have. Oh, we got it. Okay, I got three Proverbs verses, but they basically, say, here's the Proverbs verses. You can, you can ask for the manuscript later. It basically says, make your parents be happy. That's basically the Proverbs. Make them be happy, not by hitting a home run, not by getting an A+, but how you obey them. Listen to this. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. There's ten commandments. The fifth one says to honor your parents. Do you know it's got a promise in it? That's the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live a long life. Well, let me just look up here now. I just want to talk to you for a second. You didn't get to choose your mom or dad. You didn't get to choose them. I want you to understand, God gave them to you. He gave you the mom and dad that you need, whether you like it or not, whether you like them or not. He just did. And they're going to do, if you're here, I can assure you this, they're going to do the best job they can in raising you. And it won't be perfect. But they're going to do the best job. Here's your responsibility. So, them. it's to honor them. Now, I don't know how this works in your family. And you can, you, this would be a really good conversation for you to have with them. So um, let me, I'm going to give you this scenario. <clears throat> little Stevie, we don't have a Steve, I don't think. Little Stevie's downstairs watching TV. Dad calls down, Stevie, come on up for dinner. Turn off the TV. Stevie goes, oh, Dad, 10 more minutes. How does Dad react? Oh, you know how Dad reacts. Yeah, you know how Dad reacts, that's right. <laughs> scenario number two. Stevie, come on up for dinner. Turn off the TV. Okay, Dad. I'll, I'll be, uh, Okay. Stevie runs upstairs. Hey, Dad, it's okay if I just finish the show five or ten more minutes? How's Dad respond then? No, I don't know, but I, bet the second, I bet the second one's different than the first one. Now, it might not be. Th- there might be a reason why Dad says five or ten more minutes because, you know, maybe you're going someplace. But the point of the kid is to obey, listen to him, honor him, okay? So in our family, if our kids would obey first, I'll just tell you this, I was more likely if, it, if the five or ten minutes didn't matter, I'd go like, yeah, if they obeyed first. That's just what it does to your parent. They, oh, sorry, I should have said only, only youth and only kids listen to me. Parents don't listen. is what I should have said. But that's what it does to your parent. It kind of makes them glad. That's your part. The other thing that we would do is, is, um, with my youth, they could ask me about a rule. And if they had an attitude of obeying... If I felt like this was a time to give a little bit, I would just because they're obeying. Now, some there's many times we didn't. With that, but that's your responsibility. So here's what I want to just ask you: Youth, kids, do your parents know that? Do you respect them? Do your parents know that? Do you honor them? Do you listen? To, there's there's some sitting out in the lobby. Should I go talk, get them too? They're, they're watching on TV. Zion, I got my eyes on you. Okay, I can see you. Do, do, your, parents, do your parents know that? Because that's your responsibility. Okay, you're going to need to ask God's help with that. But that's what, he's, that's what he's asking. Do you appreciate him? Why not tell him? All right, last part. And I went long, I'm sorry. Last thing. Growing in wisdom is God's child. I'm just going to read Luke 11 here. Because this is the Father. Because we all need the Father's help. And if you're here, you're a child of God. This this fits. So here's here's what He says. Let me have the worship team go ahead and come up. Someone just pray from this, and then we have communion. I think. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Get this. Whatever it is, whatever role you have, you need the Lord's help to do it well. Don't you? I do. Whatever it is single, married, son, daughter, husband, wife, parent, whatever it is, brother, sister in Christ, we need His help. And our Heavenly Father loves us. And if you come to Him and ask, like he's going to get stingy all of a sudden. He already gave us Jesus. He's not going to get stingy. He's going to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask, and that's what we need. Let's pray for that now as we prepare for communion. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that we'd walk away hearing your voice in the end and that you'd turn our hearts to you even as we prepare to celebrate the death of the Son for us. And that you, oh God, give us what we need. We want to walk with you. Thank you for being near. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like more information about Sawyer Highlands Church and Converge Community Church and the service times for both campuses, please visit our website at www.sawyerhighlands.org. Until next time.